0: In this devotional, I'm going to share with you three thoughts from 1 Corinthians, chapter 14, verses 26 through 33, where I'll ask the question, why must worship be orderly? 1 Corinthians, chapter 14, verses 26 through 33 says, What then, brothers, when you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation, let all things be done for building up. If any speak in a tongue, let there be only two, or at most three, and each in turn, and let someone interpret. But if there is no one to interpret, let each of them keep silent in church, and speak to himself and to God. Let two or three prophets speak, and let the others weigh what is said. If a revelation is made to another sitting there, let the first be silent. For you can all prophesy one by one, so that all may learn, and all be encouraged and the spirits of the prophets are subject to prophets. For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace." Paul offers these words of correction for the church there at Corinth because they were indulging in all sorts of crazy activities, it seems. And even in their gathering, their corporate worship, they were each trying to make much of themselves. And Paul is trying to explain to them that The worship service isn't about the exaltation of a single individual, but instead it is for the building up of the body as they worship the almighty creator of the universe. With this in mind, here are three thoughts from 1 Corinthians chapter 14 verses 26 through 33 answering the question, why must worship be orderly? Thought number one, building up. Ultimately, the effect of the worship service is to build one another up. This is what happens for the people who are participating in it. In terms of goals, the worship service is to give glory to God Almighty. And as we do that, what we find is that the church is built up. This is how the church becomes increasingly obedient to God the Father. That they worship God together, and as they worship God together, they recognize more and more of his wondrous characteristics. They become increasingly discipled by the explanation of the word, by the singing of psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, by this practice of corporate prayer. And even in the miraculous that's taking place here in the early church, they are all being built up in it. This is something that we need to recognize in our own worship as it takes place today. That as we do it, as we worship God together, we are building one another up in the Lord. And this is one of the wondrous things that happens as we gather together as a corporate body. Thought number two, restraint. Worship needs to be orderly and we need to practice restraint within it. Paul tells them that if you have someone speaking in tongues, but there's no one there to interpret what's being said, that person needs to practice some restraint. He needs to practice restraint and not go about making much of themselves by displaying the spiritual gift of speaking in tongues, but instead to look around, see if somebody is practicing interpretation of tongues, and if not, they need to practice some restraint and not make confusion take place there in the worship service see we all have different gifts we all have different things that we're able to do this is one of the wondrous things that paul is telling the church that the spiritual gifts people have are there for the building up of the church as they're working together but it is not always the right time to exercise your own specific individual spiritual gift You need to practice restraint because it might not be a time for you to exercise that which the Lord has given you. It might be better to restrain yourself and practice it at another time if the timing just isn't right. If the practice of your spiritual gift might cause disorder or confusion among the believers. That's something that each of us has to recognize about ourselves and recognize about the worshiping body. Are we causing confusion? If so, are we willing to restrain ourselves and not make much of our own particular giftedness? Thought number three, peace over confusion. Ultimately, Paul points to the nature of God as being orderly, as being one of peace rather than confusion, one who reveals rather than darkens as our motivation in our worship service. Our worship service should reflect God's own characteristics, his own mind. And as we do that, what we will find is that confusion is not in line with what has been revealed to us about God. So our own worship services should emphasize the peace that comes through Christ, the peace that has been granted to us by our Heavenly Father, rather than the confusion that is innate and overflows from our sinful condition. And as we stop and think about what's taking place in our own worship of the Lord, our own formal corporate worship that we do when we gather together as a body, as we pay careful attention to that, we can start to eliminate those things that are confusing, start to eliminate those things that are distracting, start to eliminate those things that emphasize the individual rather than God. And as we do so, Our worship becomes increasingly about Him, and less and less about ourselves. These three thoughts come from the assigned reading of 1 Corinthians chapters 13 and 14. If you'd like to read through the Bible with me, you can do so by subscribing to this channel, by clicking on the link in the description, or by joining the Facebook group, Through the Bible, where we are reading the text of Scripture together.